It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Time to take you home on a Tuesday with the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy, and you're always connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line at 46862. There are still some texts coming in about Zach Eady. We talked about that in the first hour, that he is 7-4. Some people are only giving giving him credit for being a good basketball player because he has some God-given size. And uh, and and <laughs> you, you pointed out a good tweet when we were on break there uh, about guys around the NCAA that have similar size and yet their numbers not exactly comparable to what Zach Eady is doing at Purdue. Yeah, certainly uh, makes a case for it not being all about uh, just his size. Uh, footwork, ability to turn and shoot over both shoulders, being able to play with your back to the basket, which is a skill in and of itself. Uh, passing skills, screen and rolls. I mean, he does a lot that uh, are skill sets that he's developed that aren't just big. You know, just a uh, big guy, just throw him out there. I mean, it's it's like... That would make recruiting so easy if you just had to go out and find everybody that's seven feet tall and throw them on the basketball court. I mean, it's like all you got to do is be big and you're going to be a national champion. Well, it's funny because one of those guys was actually seven foot three and from West Lafayette. And I mean, you would think, you know, if it was just about size, Painter would have scooped that guy up right yeah. away. Yeah, I think uh, we were talking about Oral Roberts earlier. I think they've got like a seven five guy, but he plays against. Not the Horizon a, League. Not that much height in the Horizon. No, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, every game. And yet, who's their top scorer at Oral Roberts? Max Acemus, who's been there what seems like six years. We remember <laughs> Max Acemus from his performance at uh, at the NCAA tournament in that run that Oral Roberts had, what, three years ago? Two years, three years? I, I want to say two, but it, it could be three at this point. Well, well and here's the thing. Uh, one of his teammates, Kevin O'Banner, is now at Texas Tech. And last night, I watched Texas Tech play Iowa State. And the intrigue here was the Summit League connections. T.J. Otzelberger was a former coach at South Dakota State. And Kevin O'Banner, who would have been at Oral Roberts for probably a year or two before T.J. Otzelberger departed. And eventually then, uh, where'd he go? He went to UNLV. And spent, I think, a couple of years at UNLV before being hired at Iowa State. But I, uh, I thought, I thought that uh, it would be fun to watch just because of those connections, you know, flipping through the dial. Yeah, and ended up being a blowout. Iowa State just crushing Texas Tech, and you know, poor Texas Tech. They've had a good program, but. They, uh, they were 0-6 in Big 12 play, well on their way to their 
Seven straight loss without a victory, down 23 points in the second half. And lo and behold, the comeback begins. And Kevin O'Banner was actually a big part of the comeback. Hit a couple of three-pointers in a run that eventually tied the game, sent it into overtime, and Texas Tech prevailed over Iowa State, the 13th-ranked team in the country, 80-73. to Nice job. Pretty amazing. Nice job, Red fun Raiders. Game, fun game to watch last night. Tonight, the Indiana Hoosiers in action on the road at Maryland. Of course, that is their setup game till uh, they bring in the Purdue Boilermakers, the number one team in the country, coming to Simon Scott Assembly Hall this Saturday. And uh, Purdue, meanwhile, they won't play until tomorrow when they welcome Penn State. The only problem Purdue would have with Penn State is if Purdue starts looking ahead. And, uh, you know, they beat Penn State fairly handily at Penn State. That could be reason for concern. Sometimes yeah, and college I'm, kids are college kids. They were down at half at that at that Penn State game the first time when they were over there in uh, Pennsylvania. And you you all you always know that any team that has a Lundy is dangerous, exactly. especially from I mean, the three point line. Whew. Every Lundy knows how to shoot the basketball. You, you got to look out for us uh, Lundies. We can uh, really light it up. Uh, yeah. At least uh, when there's not a camera rolling, <laughs> you claim to be hitting a lot of shots. Amen. But four six eight six two Parkview Sports Medicine text line. <laughs> Four six eight six two. Uh, did get a text. Let me uh, see. Zach Eady was the same size as a freshman. His skill level was nowhere close to it where it is now. And that's a good point. I mean, he's developed himself as a basketball player. Yeah. He has refined his body. He has gotten better footwork. He's quicker. And like I said, you think it's easy to move around at that size? Uh, go ahead and put on some size 20 sneakers and run around the basketball court. See how well you do. Another thing is that he's gotten better defensively. Um, you know, a lot of those, yes. you know, he's, he fouled a lot more. He got in a lot of foul trouble. Uh, he was always in foul trouble last year. I not mean, it's, so much. No. no, he's learned how to refine his game. And because of that, and, and here's a guy, too, that plays 34, 35, 36 minutes a game for the Purdue Boilermakers. And uh, there's not a lot of those seven-footers that are on the court that long. In fact, a lot of guys 6'8", six, 6'9", six, aren't putting in 34, 35, 36 minutes of contest. I think there was one game where Edie played like 38 minutes. He's gotten himself in shape. He's worked on developing his shot, his footwork. A, a lot of skill involved in that. And today, Zach Edie was named as the Big Ten Player of the Week. All right, it's time. Call us up. It is time to play some Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. A special prize up for grabs today. Not only the large pizza to Pizza Hut but we've got a four-pack of tickets to the boat show coming to the Coliseum next weekend. So if you want to uh, double up on your prizes, now is the time to call and uh, be our contestant at 447-8500, 447-8500. Give us a call, and you could play Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia here on the Sports Rush. You know, in fact, speaking of Purdue, I was thinking, you know, is it too early to start thinking of their chances at March Madness? There's a lot of basketball still to be played, but so far they've beaten number 14 Marquette. They've beaten West Virginia. They've got the win over number 12 Gonzaga. They beat Duke. They've beaten Michigan State twice. I still, you know, like I said the other day, after Purdue, who is the best team in the Big Ten? Talent perspective, you might look at IU or Michigan State. We'll find out. 
come Saturday. Yeah, I think it'll take a couple more Big Ten games and we'll have a better idea who's sitting at number two. Boilers already have two wins over the Michigan State Spartans, apparently just because Zach Eady's big. All right, let's uh, let's play this Tuesday time capsule trivia thing. We've got a contestant on the line. Who is ready to play today? Who's this? This is Rob. Hey, Rob or Rod? Rob, R-O-B. R-O-B. Exactly what he's going to try to do to me. He's going to try to rob me out of a couple of tickets. All right, <laughs> so, right. Uh, Rob, do you know how to play Tuesday time capsule trivia? Yeah, this is a rematch, actually. I took oh. you on in the first ever time capsule trivia. Oh. Wow. Wow. Well, uh, we've been doing it for a while, and I still haven't perfected it. So <laughs> let's see how you do today, Rob. Let's go. It's time for Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia on the Sports Rush. All right, let's get into question number one here. On this day, or in this year... We had Arena Bowl number 16, where the San Jose Sabercats won 52-14 to over the Arizona Rattlers. Okay, Rob, it is your call to go first or to pass it to me. What would you like to do? I'll pass that one to you. I will say 2006. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, I'm going to say 1994. All right, let's go on to clue number two. This will be Rob's turn first. This year's World Cup is held from May 31st to June 30th in South Korea and Japan. The first time a World Cup is held in two countries simultaneously. It is your chance to guess first, Rob. Let's say... 1978. I'll say uh, 1998. All right, clue number three. This will be Brett first. The Houston Texans become the NFL's 32nd active franchise in this year. Well, one thing to uh, remember... Uh, or to note is that the Houston Texans just locked up a deal for their next coach today. It is official D'Amico Ryan's six-year deal to become the Texans head coach. All right. Now, with that said, I've got to come up with a guess here. So I'm going to say Houston Texans. Um, I'll say 2002. Oh, oh. I had no idea. Rob, were you uh, zeroed in on that at all? Yeah, well, I was right on it because that was a World Cup year. So uh, <laughs> There you go. Gave it away. You, you narrowed it down. You, you basically made it a one out of four chance. You just yep. had to figure out which four years. And you know what, Rob? I played that same game. I was. That's why I went 98 last time and 2002 this time because I was skipping every four years. <laughs> Oh, yep. Rob, an 0 for 2 record now in uh, Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia, but it still gets you a prize package. How about that? Are we generous here on the Sports Rush or what? We've got four tickets to the boat show coming to the Coliseum next weekend and a large pizza from Pizza Hut. Rob, have a great day. Thanks for playing. Thanks. All right, so, Adam, uh, I hope Rob stays on the line. I hope he knows that he's supposed to stay on the line because if we don't get the information, we can't give him the tickets. So, 
I got him on hold. Stay on hold, Rob. Okay, stay on hold, Rob. Don't hang up. Um, but anyway, uh, I know you've got a couple of clues still left because I aced that so quickly today. What were the last couple of clues? Yeah, so in the World Series, the Angels won four games to three over the San Francisco Giants. And then I went with the uh, Super Bowl since that's coming up here soon. The New England Patriots won 20-17 over the heavily favored St. Louis at the time Rams. Be ready for another Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia coming your way one week from today. Hey, you know what else is coming up? Not only the big game, which, you know, I have to be careful what I say because I want to tell you about Christopher James menswear and their big game sale because uh, they're getting all set to give some special discounts. Right now, you can save 40 to 50% off in the finest in men fa- men's fashions because it is the winter sale. Got to make room. Get rid of some of those sweaters, the denim, some of the, out- the uh, outdated styles that are being replaced. You can get these special fashions right now, 40 to 50% off at Christopher James Menswear. Suits, sports coats, pants, sportswear, shoes, more, 25 to 50% off at Christopher James Menswear, or 40 to 50% off at Christopher James Menswear's winter sale. I went out there uh, a little intimidated, wasn't sure what I was going to experience, but they took care of me, treated me with great respect, took a lot of time in finding just the right suit. They uh, tailored it so it was just the right fit. As Adam pointed out earlier, uh, I am not big. I am wide. Uh, and, and they tailored the suit to fit me. You know, it wasn't like one of those things where you had to figure out, okay, is the suit coat going to fit? And what is the waist on those pants? They were able to tailor it so it fits me perfectly. Right now is a great time to update your wardrobe. Canali, Meyer, Peter Millar, Johnny O, Bangnani, a lot of your favorite brands, 40 to 50% off at the Christopher James Menswear's Winter Sale. That's Christopher James Menswear, where style and service are always in fashion. They're in Covington Plaza at the corner of West Jefferson and Getz. And we're back on the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, along with our producer, Adam Lundy. At the top of the hour, we've got the Mastodon's Coaches Show. That means we'll be joined by men's basketball coach, John Kaufman. We've got women's basketball coach, Maria Marcasano. They'll be telling us about the status of their teams as they get prepared for a couple of Horizon League games later this week. And uh, we'll have that at the Holiday Inn, Purdue-Fort Wayne starting at 6 o'clock till 7 o'clock, and you can listen to it or join us in person, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Pacers basketball, of course, you hear it right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. And the pregame host is joining us now on our Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. It is Pat Boylan. Good afternoon, Pat. Fred, good afternoon. Always good to talk with you. Always good to talk with you, and uh, of course, you guys do such a great job with Pacers broadcast, uh, getting us prepped for the games on pregame, postgame, and everything else in between. I know you're uh, always a busy guy, and it's it's our pleasure to have you jump on with us and talk to Pacers basketball. The big news, of course, this week, Miles Turner gets an extension, and this was kind of a back and forth. weren't sure if it was going to happen, if Miles was going to be traded. Uh, if the Pacers were going to make a last-minute trade deadline deal. But now we know Miles will be a Pacer for a couple of more seasons. Your thoughts on it? Well, I think it's a really interesting deal. Kevin Pritchard touched on it in this press conference in that in his 20-plus years of doing this, he can't remember a situation like this. And what makes it really unique is the fact that since the Pacers were so far under the salary cap 
floor. In the NBA, you have to spend a minimum amount, and then there's obviously a maximum amount. Uh, but you have to spend a minimum amount, meaning the Pacers had a fair chunk of change that they had to spend somewhere between now and the end of the season anyway. And what it allowed them to do is it gave them tremendous flexibility with a Miles Turner extension. So they were able to give Miles Turner $17 million on top of what he was already making this year. That $17 million, the Pacers were going to have to figure out how to spend anyway. So it's almost like found money, as much as $17 million can be found money. And because of that, it then allows the Pacers to get Miles Turner in at the next two years when the salary cap might be more uh, important or impactful, allows them to get him in at a pretty comfortable number. In fact, he's right around what he was making previously next year and the following year. So it works out really well for Miles in that he gets $17 million right now that he otherwise didn't have, and the Pacers get to keep him along for at least two more years at a number they're very comfortable with. So in a lot of ways, I see this as a win-win, and I think for Miles, it's been pretty eye-opening coming back into play this year, playing with Tyrese Halliburton, watching this young core kind of uh, build something that has been greater than I think most people thought it would be going into the year. And I think it stands to show just how impactful playing and having somebody like Tyrese Halliburton on your roster can be for everybody else. Why wouldn't you want to play with the guy that's maybe the best passer in the NBA already at age 22? So, you know, I think it's, it's, a, it's a terrific deal for both parties and certainly good for the Pacers, which are in a crucial point in their build right now to not take a step backward and potentially lose him in free agency. Pacers were in a position where they had that money and they could have taken a salary dump if it came with some prime picks. Um, did the Pacers kind of give up with going that direction? I mean, how close do they believe they are? And is this still kind of step one in a rebuild, reload, whatever you call it? Well, I have to think that this was plan A. If they could take the money that they had to spend and use it to get a player I like Miles, who it's hard to believe he's just still 26, considering how long he's been here. I have to believe that being able to use that money to get Turner extended and to get him at a very favorable number for the team the next couple of years, that that was plan A. But you're absolutely right. There was a lot the Pacers could have looked at, and ultimately you can't control what Turner is going to say in these negotiations. So if Turner and his agent had said, hey, we want to go to free agency, that's our bottom line, then that kind of that card is out of the Pacers' hands uh, that they can play. And in that type of situation, had something like that happened, I do think they might have looked at a deal where they could take on some salary, perhaps for an asset, or another option would obviously just to be uh, to make a trade. But I do think as it relates to the trade deadline coming up and any potential moves that could happen there, anything that potentially happens over the summer, or anything that could have happened pre-Miles Turner extension, I think everything that Kevin Pritchard in the front office would have looked at would be with a long-picture view. I just can't imagine them, for example, giving up a lot of assets for a guy who is later in his career and is really expensive. I think the picture is still very much a big picture. Could they add a guy who's maybe 25, 26, 27, just entering his prime? I think that type of player would be really intriguing to the front office. I think the Pacers are ahead of schedule, but I'm not sure the lens on how they're viewing this has changed all that much. You want to try to compile guys that are within um, the timeline and within the window 
that Halliburton and Turner and Matherin and this young core are in. And so I, I think in general that thought stays the same. And the other thing that Kevin Pritchard touched on is here the trade deadline is coming up. The Pacers certainly will listen. They'll certainly do their due diligence. Um, but he said he's somebody that likes to make moves over the summer if he can. And if you can make the move over the summer, he feels like, you know, it, 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 it is more impactful on team chemistry. It's very tough to make a deal right around this time of the year because you don't have a lot of time for anything to glue together. It's when that DeMontis, the bonus Tyrese Halliburton deal had to be made last year, but we saw the impact of that. I'm not sure Tyrese Halliburton was ever really fully comfortable until he came back for a new season this year. I know it hasn't been brought up much, but I'm kind of curious because I look at this roster and I wonder, is there a market for a T.J. McConnell now that the Pacers should get Tyrese Halliburton back? uh, And it seems like the young guards have really developed maybe faster than anticipated. Is there a market for McConnell somewhere? Yeah, I, I do think from a Pacers perspective, I think Andrew Nemhard, just how ready to go that he has been. And frankly, over the course of his year, um, he just got announced, in fact, a couple of hours ago to the Rising Stars game. I think that's another reason for general optimism with what the Pacers are building. Uh, but he's also somebody that can be pretty flexible. In fact, we see him starting next to Halliburton. I think point guard is probably his number one position but he has just an immense amount of flexibility, especially for a rookie. So I do think, despite the fact that the Pacers have two young point guards that they really like and probably view as the future point guards of this franchise in terms of Halliburton and of Nemhard, we saw T.J. McConnell play really well in the stretch that Tyrese Halliburton missed. And I think that is a good reminder of the value that he can have to this franchise. And so. I think Nemhard and his versatility, his ability to play off the ball, I think helped make that work to get all three of those guys minutes. Um, it's, it's a similar situation that's happening with the big rotation right now. You've got Miles Turner, who's obviously going to get his, and then Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson right now, two guys that you want to get minutes, and Daniel Tice is entering that picture here probably very soon. It's a good problem to have when you have more guys than rotation spots that are potentially deserving of minutes. But in the guard situation, I, I do think it's Andrew Nemhard's flexibility that allows the Pacers to be able to use all three of those guys here for the rest of the year. What's the story with Jalen Smith? Didn't play the other day. Is there a story? Well, the big story is that Rick Carlisle has preferred going with a smaller starting five. And we have seen Aaron Neesmith take over the starting power forward role. Neesmith is probably uh, more of a three, if anything, but playing smaller has been advantageous to the Pacers. And what that's done is at the beginning of the year, Jalen Smith was the starting power forward. And it wasn't necessarily that Jalen Smith wasn't deserving of that role. I think just as time started to pass, Rick Carlisle realized and the data started to show that the Pacers, as they're currently constructed, they want to run up and down the floor with a guy like Halliburton. They're just better suited to play a little bit smaller in that starting lineup. And so what that's done is it's moved Jalen Smith into the second unit as more of the center, which he'll tell you he's comfortable with both of those roles. I tend to think if he could pick one in today's NBA, probably playing the center is his most comfortable position. But then you've got the same situation where now you've got Isaiah Jackson, who is a second-year center out of Kentucky, and Jalen Smith, who's a third-year center out of Maryland, who I think the Pacers both like 
against these two and, and want to see them get more minutes. Um, but there's only so many minutes to go around. And this is where I think having a guy like Rick Carlisle is very beneficial. And Rick has talked about this. He sat these two guys down. He said this is going to be a matchup type thing. So Carlisle in the last game feeling like Isaiah Jackson gave them uh, a better chance in that game specifically would likely be the reason that Smith didn't get minutes. But, you know, I think it takes maturity out of two young guys to be able to understand that you're somebody that's valued, even if it doesn't mean you're getting a ton of minutes night in and night out. And I do think it'll be something that's interesting to watch the rest of the way, how Carlisle handles that situation and how those two guys deal with it. I think they're both very promising young bigs. Uh, but right now, the way Turner's playing and the way the Pacers prefer to go small, uh, the minutes aren't always there for both of them every single night. Interesting matchup against the Lakers. If LeBron's on the floor, who is the Pacer that guards them, especially in this small lineup? Yeah. Interesting question and a fascinating answer that Rick Carlisle has gone with. And to go with the fascinating theme, I think a guy that's had a fair amount of success doing it is Andrew Nemhard, and I think about when he was drafted, I would have never guessed that he was the guy that Rick Carlisle might throw on LeBron James and then also throw on Steph Curry. Uh, look, he is he's a rookie, um, and he's a guard, so he's not going to have the size to body up every single possession with LeBron James. But I, I think he's just so intelligent and uses his body so well that he's somebody, even as a rookie, that Rick Carlisle's comfortable on him. So, You'll probably see um, some Aaron Neesmith. That's probably the number one option there. But I think you're going to see a lot of Andrew Nemhard too. And I think, in general, look, the Pacers still want to improve defensively. They're not where they want to be. Rick Carlisle, in fact, just said today out of practice that defense is the number one area they're working on. But if you compare last year's team, which struggled mightily defensively, and they're much better this year even if they aren't where they want to be. Well, Nemhard has been inserted into the equation. Neesmith has been inserted into the equation, and Turner didn't play the back half of last year. So I think that goes a long way in explaining those improvements. There's nobody in the NBA, maybe besides Kawhi Leonard, that's built to guard LeBron James. But um, the Pacers do have a couple, I think, of intriguing options to throw at him in Nemhard and in Neesmith. And when you've got a guy like Turner at the rim, he offers you know a fair amount of protection back there as well. So. As always, the game against LeBron James is always fascinating, even at his older age. He's closing in on the scoring record. And the Pacers don't have a prototypical wing stopper, but without having one of those guys, I think Nemhard and Neesmith have done a pretty good job in situations where they face um, a wing that is a dominant scorer. Nobody's like LeBron James, but uh, the type of wing scores I think those two guys have done a pretty decent job on so far this year. After the drama-filled situation at the end of the Lakers-Celtics regulation, uh, where LeBron uh, obviously was a little upset, is putting it nicely, about not getting a whistle, the NBA backing him up and saying, yes, there was a foul. Uh, do you anticipate officials maybe giving LeBron a few extra whistles here, uh, you know, in the, in the not-so-distant uh, past uh, of that event? You know, I, I really do believe that the official's job every single night is to have the fewest amount. You see the last two-minute report, um, but the way the officials are graded is over the course of, of an entire game. So I really, truly do feel that an official's job every single night is to try to have the most, uh, the fewest incorrect calls out there. 
James is somebody that, look, I mean, do superstars get calls in the NBA? They probably do. And LeBron James has been the league's biggest superstar over the last 20 years, and he is coming off of a pretty blatant missed call. So maybe it is something that you should look for. Maybe it's something that, you know, should be in the back of the Pacers' mind. But I do think in general, um, look, the NBA is the toughest sport to officiate in the world, and I do believe that the best refs in the world are in this league, but they do miss, and they missed in a big way, in a big moment uh, in that game a few days ago against Boston. And so I think you're going to get an energized LeBron James as it is, and I think if if you're the Pacers, that's the area um, that would concern me the most. You've got James coming off of um, that call and that frustration, and now I do think he is going to play in the game tonight, so it won't be the direct game after it. Um, But a motivated LeBron James is a a terrifying concept. (laughs) And, and he's going to be motivated not only for that, but the Lakers right now are not even in the play-in tournament. And he's closing in on Kareem. He's not going to get there in Indy, but he might be down to double digits by the time that game starts. So, uh, yeah, the Pacers have seen a lot of LeBron James motivated over the years, and I think they'll probably see a motivated version of him uh, here coming up on Thursday. Well, this recent skid by the Pacers has put them out of the play-in situation. And at one point, I think they were actually in a playoff position, but... Uh, they've slipped, and a lot of that is because of the absence of Tyrese Halliburton. You uh, you said you uh, got word after practice today from Rick Carlisle. Is there any indication as to what the schedule is for the return of Tyrese Halliburton? Yeah, the hope is that the return is coming up next game. Uh, that is Thursday against the Lakers, and Tyrese addressed this specifically. He said it is his goal and uh, what he wants to accomplish. Now, there's going to be another practice before that, and you need to avoid setbacks in those you know, final tune-ups. But he says he's feeling um, pretty close to 100%. Interestingly, when he got hurt against the Knicks, I think a lot of people saw the way he fell and were more concerned about his knee than his elbow. He hurt both of them. But as he was saying, uh, his elbow actually ended up being the bigger problem of the two. The knee kind of subsided after a few days, and it was the elbow that kept him out here for two and a half weeks or so. Um, but he's optimistic for Thursday. It's not totally clear to me yet. Rick Carlisle didn't address this, uh, him going into back-to-backs, how that situation would be handled. And Friday is a game that will matter a lot to him, the pace to take on Sacramento, and he has not beaten the Kings since that trade happened. So there is a back-to-back there, and that was the only thing um, that previously had me wondering is if he was ready to go, but they didn't feel comfortable using him in that opening back-to-back if he would pick one of those two. Um, so not 100% necessarily to go Thursday, but it does appear to be his goal to suit up against LeBron James and the Lakers. Pat, always appreciate you jumping on, taking time with us. Uh, I know it's a big one coming up on Thursday against the Los Angeles Lakers, and it will be the first of back-to-back with, as you mentioned, Sacramento coming in on Friday. So. Appreciate the time, Pat. Thanks, Brett. We appreciate it over here as well and all of our uh, valuable listeners and fans in the Fort Wayne area. Appreciate it. That is Pat Boylan joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Uh, talk at Spacers Basketball. You know, Paulo Vancaro is becoming quite the star, but no one knows it because he plays in Orlando. Yeah, that's what happens when the uh, small market teams get the top picks in the draft. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden, I mean, this guy's kind of uh, taken off. And, uh, you know, Orlando's not the seller dweller. They're still 20 and 31, 
But, uh, you know, you look at... Uh, Just beat the Sixers. Yeah, I was going to say, on the road, beat the Sixers, came from behind, and who led the rally? Van Caro. And uh, what did he do? He went 11 for 22, 3 for 5 from distance, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 29 points. He's pretty much right now, I think, a lock for Rookie of the Year. Uh, but uh, but he's, uh, he's kind of tearing it up. I think he had, what, 20... 23 or something like that against Pacers a week ago. So, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's having quite the year. We're going to take a timeout. We're going to come back. And uh, girls' high school basketball sectionals coming up tonight. And we've got a big one here on the airwaves. We'll tell you the schedule and what you'll hear on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 426. I am Brett Rump, Adam Lundy, our producer just about time to get to the Holiday Inn, Purdue Fort Wayne, uh, as we will be uh, there for the Mastodons Coaches Show. Tonight, it is men's basketball coach John Kaufman, women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano. A lot to talk about because you're coming down to the stretch run of Horizon League play. And for uh, both teams, they are sitting right middle of the pack. I mean, you couldn't be more middle of the pack. Both teams... Uh, Sitting there right around 500, and uh, we'll talk to both coaches about what they expect here as they prep to get ready for their placement, their seating, and the Horizon League tournament, which, of course, will start uh, beginning of March. But we've got the show 6 to 7 p.m. tonight at the Holiday Inn, Purdue, Fort Wayne. All right, so you know what else is tonight? Ah, it is... Tournament time. Yeah, we've got... uh, Hoosier hysteria is what they call it. Girls basketball gets into it. uh, Heading to Huntington. Of course, we heard from Michael McIntyre earlier. Mm -hmm. But uh, tonight, the big one at Huntington that you can hear on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM, presented by Indiana Physical Therapy. It is the Homestead Spartans and the Columbia City Eagles. Uh, Showdown time. Between two really good basketball teams, they will follow the opener at Huntington North with the two and fifteen Southside Archers, Lady Archers. I think the the uh, records have not been updated. We printed this and uh, didn't update it from last week's games, but uh, they were two and fifteen at one point, and and New Haven was two and seventeen, and that's who Southside's playing. So uh, I guess maybe I shouldn't say the records because they're not going to be accurate, but. Um, but it's uh, Southside New Haven that opens it up, and then we'll be on the air at approximately 7.30, maybe 7.35 for the Columbia City Eagles and the Homestead Lady Spartans. That is Class 4A, sectional basketball at Huntington with Michael McIntyre on the call. Now, picking a winner in Huntington is not going to be easy. And I'm trying to pick sectional winners. Who I think is going to win this sectional? Uh, you've got a good Huntington North team that's playing the sectional on their home floor. They're a scary team that's uh, going to get the winner of Southside New Haven after getting a bye. So they will have a bye against uh, taking on a, like a two-win team and then maybe uh, playing one of these Homestead, Columbia Cities, uh, Wayne in the, uh, the championship. But it's, you know what? It is hard to pick against Homestead. Hard to do it. They've been there, done that. I think Columbia City may have the best team 
Homestead has the tournament experience. Homestead has history on their side. Um, I will hesitantly go Spartans as the winner out of Huntington North. Now, the other tournament takes place at DeKalb. I'm not as torn on this one. It is Northside DeKalb tonight. They will open it up. And then you've got Carroll Northrup, which is two good basketball teams. In game number two, up at DeKalb. Then uh, Snyder gets a bye. They'll play Friday night against the Northside DeKalb winner. East Noble will be playing against the Carroll Northrop winner. And then everybody comes back for a Saturday night championship. I got to go with Northrop. Deepest team, most talented team, and uh, experienced team. I I mean, I just, uh, I just think Northrop is the class of the field. I think uh, if anybody gives them a run, it could be Snyder just because of Snyder shooting. But ultimately, I, I think Northrop's going to prevail at DeKalb. All right, let's look at Class 3A, where you got Heritage, Dwenger. That is the only game on the slate at Concordia tonight. Uh, they've got two games tomorrow night. It starts with Leo versus the host Concordia Cadets, and then Garrett versus Angola. On Friday, Woodland, the bye in the sectional, is going to take on the winner of Heritage and Dwenger. While you've got game two with the Wednesday night winners, I am going to say Woodland to win the sectional at Concordia. Norwell, also a 3A sectional, has uh, Peru versus Maconaqua. That is tonight. Tomorrow night, they've got two games with Belmont Oak Hill. And Northwestern versus Mississinawa. Norwell gets a bye, and they will play the winner of Peru, McConaughey. Now, that's going to put Norwell into the championship game where they'll face either Belmont or Northwestern. Um, I think that could be a heck of a game. I'm going to say Northwestern ends up being the sectional champion. I know I'm going to upset some locals. Picking the out of town team. You're not you're not thinking Belmont? I'm saying Northwestern. All right. Because I'm kind of torn Belmont or Norwell. That's kind of a rivalry game. So the easy thing is don't pick the rivalry game, just pick someone else. So I'll take North <laughs> Northwestern. Uh class two A at Central Noble. Cherubusco takes on Westview and Central Noble Prairie Heights. Those two games tonight. Fremont gets a bye. They'll take on the Busco Westview winner. And then Eastside also gets a bye where they'll take on the winner of Central Noble and Prairie Heights. Uh, I think the semifinal on Friday between Central Noble and Eastside is going to be the game that decides this sectional. And I think it's at Central Noble. I'll take the home team, Central Noble. Bluffton hosting a 2A tournament. Bluffton, Manchester and South Adams, Whitco tonight. Adam Central with a bye, Lures with a bye, and uh, you know, by default, this is a, a sectional with a lot of teams with losing records. I'm going to go to the team that plays the toughest schedule, so I'm going to go with Bishop Lures to win at Bluffton, and then in one A, Lakewood Park, Hamilton, Blackhawk, uh, or that's tonight. And then it goes to Friday night. We've got Blackhawk Bethany Christian already slotted in a semifinal. Elkhart Christian will take on the winner of Lakewood Park Hamilton. And uh, I think this one goes to Bethany Christian. And then our final sectionals at Southern Wells, Southwood Canterbury in the lone game tonight. 
And then you've got a semifinal with Lakeland, Christian, and Southern Wells. And you've got Northfield taking on the winner of Southwood and Canterbury. And I'm going to go Southwood. I have no idea on that, to be quite honest. I'm just randomly choosing based on records. Give me Lakeland Christian. Okay, you go with the uh, Lakeland Christian crew, and that that way we'll have a debate coming up when I get back, because I'm going to be gone for a couple of days. You certainly are. Road tripping, once again, heading up to Detroit. With the Dons, I love it up there. I love it up there. Motor City, heading up to Oakland for a Thursday night game, and then uh, on to uh, Detroit for Detroit Mercy and Antoine Davis on Saturday afternoon. So I'll be on a bus at this time tomorrow. Uh, and then, uh, then on, on, uh, Friday, I will be doing the show from an undisclosed location in Detroit, Michigan. Can't give, you know, I, yeah, I, I mean, we can't have people no. knocking I mean, my doors in, in a down big, and, big city like Detroit. I mean, come you on. Know, I, I, you know, I don't want to tell them where I'm staying. I, you know, <laughs> they'll, uh, they'll figure out my, uh, my alias that I have to register under just to keep all the throngs of fans away. Exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know anybody in Detroit. I, I would be, you know what? I would be absolutely flattered if anybody showed up. Yeah. There uh, you go. So, but anyway, uh, I will be broadcasting the show from Detroit on Friday. Shannon Griffith's going to be here hosting the next couple of days. Got to take a break. We'll be back. It's the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan. And 100.9 FM. Back final time here on the Sports Rush. Your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. Greg Rupp, Adam Lundy. Got to get across town. We've got to get there for the Holiday Inn, Purdue-Fort Wayne, Mastodon's Coaches Show, presented by Diamond Residential Mortgage. We've got, of course, men's basketball coach John Kaufman, women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano. They will both join us for the program. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Some results from last weekend. We'll talk about what's ahead as uh, both programs move forward with the Horizon League. And they're in one of those positions where you're hoping that you've positioned yourself to have a good run in February, play your best basketball, get a good seed, but more importantly, be playing well by the time the month ends. And uh, it's a quick month, but the Mastodons will be in Detroit this weekend. The men will be in Detroit this weekend. And uh, we'll talk about what's ahead with both coaches on the Mastodons Coaches Show, presented by Diamond Residential Mortgage, coming up in just minutes. A big thanks to uh, those that joined the show today. What a packed show. Michael McIntyre weighing in on tonight's big one between Homestead and Columbia City. We've got your coverage starting around 735 It is, of course, high school basketball presented by Indiana Physical Therapy here on 1380 The Fan. And we appreciate Michael McIntyre in his preview. Also, big thanks to St. Francis basketball coach Chad LaCrosse uh, talking about Antoine Cushingberry and him becoming St. Francis program's all-time career scoring leader. And, of course, thanks to Pat Boylan from the Indiana Pacers Radio Network for joining us to talk Pacers basketball. That will do it for us. Once again, tomorrow, it is Griff. He'll be back uh, tomorrow and on Thursday. I'll be traveling on uh, tomorrow, getting on a bus somewhere around 5 o'clock to head to Detroit. And then it's Oakland on Thursday night in the suburbs of the Motor City. And, of course, we'll have all the action for you right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM starting with the pregame show Thursday night at 645. 
Big thanks to Adam Lundy. I am Brett Rump, and thanks to you for listening to The Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.